0: This is Amy Cohen Epstein, founder and executive director of the 20 plus year old nonprofit organization, the Lynn Cohen Foundation and the Seam, the series for education and awareness in medicine. In this podcast, I'll be interviewing female founders, entrepreneurs, scientists, doctors, researchers to talk about women's health, wellness, and preventive care. Take a listen. I am thrilled to be interviewing Alyssa Goodman today, who is a holistic nutritionist. And this is pretty interesting because, well, one, I'm in my middle son's bedroom because our internet is being very funky in my house today. So excuse the skateboards behind me. Um, but also, Alyssa and I have done so many webinars together that it is bizarre that we haven't done this and been um, haven't done a formal interview for the scene before. So to me, this feels like you know my seventeenth interview with you, which means I'm completely comfortable and I'm just going to listen to you talk, which is my most favorite thing to do. Um, but the hardest part is going to be keeping this short-ish because we could talk for hours and I could listen to you for hours. Um, and I'm not even going to try and introduce you because your introduction is really what sets the stage for your area of expertise, for just everything that you do and your background and what has led you to where. Not just who you are and what you do today, but really the nuts and bolts of what you give to your clients and for anybody who has the lucky fortune to be in your atmosphere, in your sphere. So Alyssa, will you just give us, you know, how you, how you decided to be where you are today and what, I guess not decided, but what led you here?
1: Well, first I have to say, I can't believe how lucky I am to be in your presence as well and have met you. Um, and just bonded and connected. Like it's just, it was, I mean, it's that in itself doing what I'm doing is pretty special too, to meet people like yourself. Um, So I constantly have to pinch myself every day because of the people I get to meet. And even the clients are pretty, are all really special as well. And the cleansers and people who buy the bars, but anyway, I mean, I came into the world. Not a healthiest kid. I had a low white blood cell count, um, and you know I'm 61. So in those days, no one knew what to do in terms of they didn't even know what balancing or boosting the immune system even was. So when I was born, I was constantly sick, and I was labeled a sick kid my whole life, and it was really a chore. It was really I didn't realize it until later how much of a chore it was, how hard it was on my psyche and my emotional well-being and my physical body, um, you know, so I was always tired and behind the eight ball, and I think I told you my parents were overachievers, so then because physically I was always playing catch-up because I didn't feel so great, I was constantly playing catch-up, you know, in, in school and in work, and I was an became an overachiever, so I massively stressed myself out for years and grew up in Arizona, which was probably a great place for me to grow up because You know, it wasn't a town of overachievers, so thank God for that. But I did move to a city of overachievers, New York, when I graduated college and really busted my ass to climb the corporate ladder and, you know, was sick all the time there as well and always searching for modalities to help me get stronger and healthier. And it was it was a constant struggle because I'd go back and forth between bad diet, coffee, you know, alcohol, just sugar to, you know, get my energy back up and then try to do something healthy for a while. Um, So I moved to LA and, and when did I was 32 or 31, and I got diagnosed with cancer, Hodgkin's lymphoma. And it was an early stage of Hodgkin's lymphoma. And the crazy thing was I, like I said, never felt well. And this masseuse was massaging. I was sitting up and there was, they were massaging my neck and shoulders and she felt a lymph node on my collarbone. And she was like, hey, that isn't supposed to be there. You aren't supposed to have a swollen lymph node on your collarbone. You have them on your neck. You're fighting an infection, but not on your collarbone. That led to the diagnosis. So I was eternally grateful for that massage and her. Um, And I probably would never have known, you know, I had cancer probably till it was really late because I just never felt well. And that was a huge wake up call. I mean, I, everything came crashing down on me. I was working at Vogue magazine, which in advertising, and I thought that was the end all. It definitely wasn't the end all. It was the most stressful job i had ever had. So, you know, it was good in some ways to get diagnosed with cancer because I got to let that job go and really, and really kind of gather my life back together and start looking at the things that are working and not working. And one of the cancer doctors, which I wish there were more of these days, I went to see three. The third one sat me down and said, are you happy in your life? Do you love what you do? You know, do you love your marriage? Do you, you know, do you love yourself? All those things. Ask me those questions. And it was so unusual, you know, 30 plus years ago. And I just burst into tears. I was like, I don't even know what that means. I don't know what happy means. I don't know what loving myself means. I don't even know what calm means. So no wonder I was, you know, just always driving myself into the ground. So that was pretty special. That guy, I'll never forget him either. Um, At that point, when I started to get into my treatment, I ended up realizing I really needed to change my, you know, emotional, spiritual self. Um, to heal. And it was my instincts. And I went to therapy. I read all the self-help books. You know, I thank God I was in LA. I started eating organic and juicing and colonics and went to see a naturopath. I mean, I did it all. And to this day, I've done it all, every probably modality um, out there because I love trying new things. And I was lucky. I did a little bit of radiation. I didn't do chemo. I was really worried about the chemo in terms of my immune system. So radiation wasn't so great either because it gave me hypothyroidism. Then I got Hashimoto's and celiac. So, but I did heal and the cancer didn't come back. Um, And then I had two girls and then I got diagnosed with a hypo and the Hashimoto's and the celiac and all types of things. So I was still struggling. And then my husband, 11 and a half years after my diagnosis got diagnosed with non hodgkins lymphoma. And he was 43 and a half, um, super strong, go-getter, you know, successful, um, not the best eater, loved sugar, you know, lived on his stress and his caffeine. He gets diagnosed, he goes through two bone marrow transplants in a year and a half and dies at 45 of fungal pneumonia and that was my second huge wake up call like holy crap you know that i actually had cancer my husband dies from cancer and then i've got these two girls at home that i need to start taking care of solely and they had two parents who had cancer and and i really had at that time hadn't heard of a lot of people you know 16 years ago with two parents who had cancer i'm sure there were out there but so that freaked me out enough that I went back to school and got certified in Eastern and Western to take care of my girls and myself. I just needed to know more about how to get healthy and strong. And I started working on also more of my psyche and how to let go of the trauma of it all. Um, and I'm still working on that probably the rest of my life and the, the girls too. That is, that was really a horrible thing that happened, but it was the best thing that happened and not him passing away, but going to school and getting educated. Cause then I, a friend of mine brought Cafe Gratitude down from San Francisco. And then she asked me to put a eating program together for the restaurant. And it was so easy to do. And it was so much fun, organic, you know, vegan food, super clean, tastes delicious. And I handheld these cleansers for about four and a half years and worked with them and and doctors and integrative doctors and naturopaths and got to learn more about all all the different ailments. And then I also did that with M Cafe. It's a macrobiotic restaurant here in LA. I did that for six and a half years. Um, I developed some food for Earth Bar at the airport. Um, And then I started my own cleanse, as you know, seven years ago, I'm in my eighth year, which I can't believe of kind of how I like to eat. So I get to deliver. Now we're delivering to 70, 75 people a week, every week. And then we started making these super seed bars that we ship out every week as well. They're fresh frozen bars, all natural, no preservatives. Um, And I just feel so lucky that I get to like feed and nourish and nurture people with the food. And also I get to Help people really motivate them to take small steps to get healthier. Because it's not like rocket science, as you and I know. You know, it's really about going back to the basics of real food and trying to get yourself de stressed a little and sleeping well and hydrated. And you know, it doesn't have to be a million supplements, even though I love the supplement regime, but you know, it doesn't have to be restrictive and all of that as well. I'm just trying to teach people to go back. to the back basics. To basics. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: yesterday was um, the 24 year anniversary of my mom's passing. And wow. I tried to, you know, I, I had spent a lot of years just being really, you know, very melancholy on that day. And at this last few years, I'm much, it's a bittersweet day, no matter what. I'm always 24 years and I still miss her. And I think about her every day, but I think about how much times have changed, right? And I also feel very proud about what you know we've done and accomplished and truly her honor and her memory. She was yeah. such an incredible woman and left such a legacy. But I was thinking a lot yesterday on her terrible habits, which was sort of funny, it just sort of popped in my head. Um, and I don't know if they, if they contributed to her cancer. I don't, I, I don't think they helped. But I mean, my mom was a tab drinker. For those who remember tab, I remember tab. Lots of tab in our house. Tab led to diet coke. I mean, I drink diet coke for many years. I don't anymore. Yeah. My mom was a huge sugar person. Um, she was a greasy eater too. Like she wasn't just sweet; it was a lot of salty too. Her yeah. one of her favorite foods was wing baskets like she would you know suck those the wing with skin off the wings it was pretty disgusting and my mom was tiny she you know yeah. the weight wasn't a huge and thing weight
1: wasn't an issue yeah no
0: she was maybe she could five, eat anything she wanted five three like 102 pounds like she was she was curvy but she was little so when she was got older it was like you know she liked to look have a cute figure and she did but it wasn't an issue for her yeah. um And she, you know, and then once in a while she'd do these weird diets, like, you know, that was the fad through the seventies and eighties, but really, really unhealthy, you know, especially being able to look at it through the lens that we have now and what we know now about just about clean eating and food. And, in you know, and I believe in moderation. I don't believe in completely depriving ourselves. And you and I've had those conversations too, but her habits were really, Terrible. And I also remember, and I was talking with a friend about this, um, when my mom got a nutritionist before she was sick because she would get terrible headaches. Oh. And I suffer from migraines too. Um, mine are more allergy related. Yeah. And I have them really under control pretty well without medicine at this point in my life. And I've found it's really food related and hydration related, which I thank yeah. you for. Um, but my mom found that she would, you know, she would get, she would ingest sugar and then have these huge highs and just dip. So one of the the things that nutritionists would give her was, you know, these like apples with, I don't know if you remember way back, you're too young, but it was like, you would take all the oil out of peanut butter. It was, and so you would put this like disgusting, dry, no cardboardy peanut butter on top of an apple or on top of like Melba toast, and that would be an afternoon snack. Yeah. But it also wasn't like satiating at all. So it it lacked like any ability to keep your day going. So three o'clock and then by dinner, it was like starving again. So it's just, it reminded me, I really spent time thinking about it yesterday about just the importance of nutrition and the importance of everything that you do and you believe in, and the, just really back to those basics and the, the more stuff on the label, you know, the more you should steer clear <laughs> and, I mean, you know, the, I think it's common
1: knowledge, but it really isn't these days. Right. It so, really isn't. And there's more stuff going on the label, you know, <laughs> oh, I mean, there's just more and more processed food
0: happening. So, and their chemicals, our body doesn't even know what the hell to do with. Yeah. And I, you know, and this idea that bone broth is somehow like this amazing new invention and you're like, well, you know, it's chicken soup, you know, it's the broth of our soups that our great grandmas and grand have been making or grandfathers been making forever and ever and ever. And there's a reason why we crave it when we're not well, because it's, it's the hearty, you know, soul of the food food that we want, that our bodies like feed me, feed me, feed me. Yeah. But it is, it is just incredibly, you know, that nourishment that we want and that your body craves, there's something about why don't we want that all the time and why is sugar so addicting, you know? And so how do we teach, you know, the question that people ask me and I'm not the expert is, you know, how do we, how do we help our kids create really good habits um, without making them feel like they're the only kids on the block who, you know, are eating healthfully, how did you raise your girls?
1: I mean, I didn't do such a great job with them because <laughs> I, I did exactly what my mother did. She took sugar out of the house and it just made us crave it more. And I would go sneak it from my friends' houses. We didn't have chips. We didn't have tab or diet soda um because she was an asthmatic so she was kind of ahead of her time in regards to you know she was very much educated on health in those days um she went to a health ranch called Rancho La Puerta you know Rancho La Puerta in Mexico so she took it all out of the house and we just craved it I did the same thing with my girls I took it out of the house and they just craved it more so you know I, I definitely they thank me now but they were definitely with a lot of hard years so I wouldn't I wouldn't suggest that at all. I feel like, again, going back to the basics, if you sit down as a family, which is decadent these days and like doesn't happen all the time and have a healthy dinner prepared, you know, and and really connected dinner, that is kind of like you get the exhale and you're like, ah. This tastes good, and I'm connecting with my family, and they remember that, like it's a mental thing, I think, and then they feel good after that, they're nourished and nurtured, right, from the connection and the food, and I think like that has been a huge thing, like we we do sit down for dinner as much as possible, when we don't, it feels odd, it feels Um, bizarre. And then of course I always was juicing. So they would ask me for some of the green juices and they would drink them. And some of them they liked and some they didn't, but then they started to feel really amazing, you know, doing that. Then they started juicing as well. Um, That doesn't mean that they don't still love sugar and, you know, all the bad stuff, but also, we started baking stuff with gluten-free flour and monk fruit or coconut sugar. Or, and then we'd always have baked goods around so that they didn't feel deprived. So they right. would have, you know, in the old days when the mom made chocolate chip cookies, that was a hell of a lot better than the chocolate chip cookies, right? You buy yeah. it at the store with the, with the yeah. fillers or preservatives, right? Even For though it's sugar and flour, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, so there's this moderation or just the parent really showing that, you know, food is important in their life. You know, the parent it's important in my life. So it did become interesting later in life with them. I mean, now they do love healthy food, um, but they also love unhealthy food, but I would say they probably are more leaning on the healthy side, Yeah, uh, but they're not always so good. You know, I started giving them supplements early on and they asked me for supplements now. And I'll be like, did you take any of those? And they haven't, you know, taken them in months. So You know, I think it's just like, I have to give them some room to breathe. I do have a hard time with that. I do, I'm very much, you know, I'm always looking over my, looking over their shoulder going, they're not home now, but I'm always looking over their shoulder going, did you do that? Why are you eating that? Like, that was not so good. I would, you know, but I feel like I see parents who love food and who cook for their family or who have somebody who cooks for their family. And I see a lot of my friends' um, kids loving food and good food yeah, and not going so much for the crappy stuff as
0: much. Yeah, it's just, I think it's, you know, it depends. And then as they get older, they're, they're, I think a little more willing to try new things and willing to say, yeah, I actually like that. I'm not going to just say I don't like it for sure. I mean, I've seen that too. So take us through a day, take us through your day. I know you have specific things, you know, feelings on coffee and what kind of coffee and hydrations. Will you just take us to a, yeah. a good eating day by Alyssa Goodman?
1: Well, I would say, you know, waking up, I do a mandatory of two cups of water. Um, when I give 60, when I just tell a client to drink 16 ounces of water, when they wake up, it could be life-changing because the body's been detoxing and cleansing through the night. So you're really dehydrated. We don't really think about that. We have an intracellular dehydration epidemic going on because mm-hmm. um, the foods we eat are dehydrating and the medicine or the stuff, you know, pills we take are dehydrating. So 16 ounces of water before the coffee. I do love bitter food. So I love coffee. I do drink like eight ounces of coffee at the most in the day. And it's usually black or I put collagen powder in there because I'm intermittent faster. I've become a little addicted to waiting 16 hours before I eat from the night before din- finishing my dinner. Mm-hmm. I have felt so amazing, weight wise, energy, mental clarity, like creative, um, motility works better. You know, I feel like I really could clean my intestines out. So I love intermittent fasting. So that's what I do. So I have coffee with the collagen powder and I'll have a green juice on a really good day. I never put fruit in my juices cause it's still way too much sugar. Then for lunch, I do a plant-based meal, usually with legumes or beans or edamame. And I, I have loads of vegetables with the, with the legumes or beans.
0: Are there any vegetables that you don't eat that you don't like or think are good?
1: Yes. There, I mean, there's some that don't agree with me. I mean, I love all kinds of vegetables, but eggplant doesn't really agree with me. Um, I know it's considered a nightshade, but um, when I eat eggplant, I feel brain dead. Mm. crazy. Like weeks ago, I had eggplant Parmesan and I couldn't function after I ate that dinner. So, you know, also when you have a really strong sugar craving after eating something or you feel brain dead, that usually means that food isn't great for you. So that's, you know, definitely, um, for some reason, I don't eat a lot of red meat because my head has been, you know, sort of programmed, but every once in a while, I will have a grass-fed burger or I feel like I need you know, the iron, mm-hmm. um, I'm a flexitarian. So I have become even more of a flexitarian as I've gotten older. So I used to be more vegan. Now I'm eating some animal protein, trying to do clean sources of animal protein because there's the amino acids in there for aging, especially at my age. I need those amino acids to rebuild my tissue and muscle. Um, I usually do animal protein once a day, probably five days a week. So, And also, you know, just can't get all those amino acids in the plant-based food as much. Um, And I actually, dinner is usually animal protein with lots of vegetables, salad, always, you know, I usually never drink when I'm eating and that has really helped my digestion because when you drink water, it can dilute your enzymes. So that's been something I drink water before and after. Um, I usually drink like half my body weight at a minimum. Uh, usually it's usually not enough water for me and hydration wise, um, but, you know, hi, water is, I mean, hydration is so crucial because it actually sort of, you know, the organs get all plump and then they can work and detox the toxins out of them better. Plus your motility of your intestines can work better. All of that. Your brain can work better. You curb your appetite. I feel like that is such a huge problem these days. Plus like, you know, the nutrients wise, you know, we're not getting nutrients, the cellular liver, our guts aren't the healthiest, you know, we definitely have a lot of stress when we're eating. So we're not digesting our food and breaking down our nutrients and absorbing them. You know, we're just not breaking down our food period. So it's getting stuck in our gut and our digestive tract, mm-hmm. and could be stuck in there for years. And it's kind of gross when you think about it. So gross, know, right? So gross. Yeah. Like it's. I mean, those autopsies that are done on people, you know, that maybe die in a car accident. I don't know if you ever heard this or me talk about it, but there are pounds of food in their intestines, um, it's so gross. you know, cause they don't eat enough fiber. They're not hydrated. So they're just not pushing the food through the intestines. So that always that, that this visual of that plus Zach Bush, you know who he is, right? He's a functional doctor. He did a study about how long it takes food to get through this small yeah. intestine. And that was just ever since I read that study a year and a half ago or two years ago, I was like, Oh my God, you know, this, you know, intermittent fasting is really great for giving that digestion a break and moving stuff through. If we can just do that in itself, it's, it's huge for us.
0: But you, you just try need eat a really early dinner. Is that pretty much
1: how I mean, it comes probably down. eat around seven and finish at eight. So that's usually, you know, just that I've gotten addicted to the intermittent fasting. I mean, you know, it's really helped balance my hormones too. Um, I just overall feel lighter and better to do that, you know, not to have two meals instead of three meals. Hmm. So, but I don't always, on weekends, I do have breakfast cause I want to sit down and have breakfast, you know, um, So I don't always, I'm not restricted to that protocol. Okay. And I do go out in weekends and drink wine and tequila and you know have pizza and pasta and all that stuff. I really like you, I don't believe in restriction. I gotta live my life. I love food.
0: Yeah. I just
1: thank God I let go of my sugar cravings. And I think it was because of the juicing. I feel like that juicing for some reason really gave me the nutrients I needed. My cells got, you know, filled up and I didn't crave sugar anymore. I still crave salty things, but that's from the stress.
0: That's interesting. Like, is there a connection that you, that you do What is that connection?
1: Salt helps, you know, increase your energy. So, and the salt and your adrenals are fatigued. Your, and your kidneys aren't working so well, you crave salt.
0: And so how do you so, get
1: it? I get it from chips and like homemade potato chips and, you know, um, I'll stick my finger in sea salt and lick my finger. I mean, it's very, I know. And after I do that, I'm like, ah, I'm so energized. I tell clients to put a pinch of sea salt in their water. So, and that also is, it's really salt, you know, the hydrating powders with all the sodium in it. Yeah. That's, you know, that does help with the energy and stuff, but I
0: don't love those. Yeah. What's your feeling on chocolate?
1: I love it. Full of antioxidants, polyphenols, Um, as long as it doesn't have added sugar and it's organic because it's really, you know, chocolate is high demand. So it's super toxic in terms of like where it's coming from. There's lots of bad chocolate out there, just like coffee. Huge demand, so organics, there's a lot of mold and pesticides on these things. So, but I think, you know, is it, 70 plus percent dark chocolate with no added
0: sugar is fantastic. And do you like the chocolates that are like chocolate with you know the almost like the organic, you know, like peanut butter cups is the things that you know everyone in my house likes? What are your as thoughts on those?
1: As they don't have a lot of like additives and fillers, okay, they kind of sometimes do, even like the Justin's, yeah, you get the
0: yeah, the just I mean, I don't eat them, but everyone in my house does, yeah. yeah.
1: Same, same. Yeah. They're cleaner than most. Yeah. But they still have fillers and preservatives. Yeah. So, you know, even some of this healthy stuff, even gluten-free crackers, you know, we all think, oh, they're gluten-free and I can't have gluten, you know, they got a lot of shit in them. Yeah. Beyond burgers, possible burgers, you know, if you're a vegan and you want a burger, I mean, they're so bad for you, but if you want a burger every once in a while, they're, you know, not the end of the world, but they're just loaded with crap. It's better to have a grass-fed burger.
0: I think I mean my it's funny my 80s almost 80 year old mother in law the other night told me she's she has a Beyond Burger every single night that's her new thing she's a recent widow, or, widow and she's that's what she does she puts it on top of an arugula salad she makes for herself and she feels very healthy so I wasn't gonna tell her I'd be much happier if you made yourself a piece of salmon or a burger yeah because she thinks she's being really really healthy. I was like anything you can find that's frozen in the aisle, you know, at down at pavilions, I don't think is great for you to eat every single night. Like I, yeah. I just think it's that's not the way to go. But you know, what am I gonna do? I'm not gonna, you know, lay into her. But I know I, I mean, you know, the the label in itself, if you yeah. look at the ingredients, but I know I agree, or a homemade veggie burger, you know, that's made with grains and some legumes or, or yeah, or quinoa. Water. like Amy's makes great black bean burgers. Yeah.
1: You no, know, the frozen. I know that's much better. Exactly. I but agree. It's hard when they're in their eighties and nineties. My mom is 92 Wow. and she's going strong and she, it's, it is crazy when we sit here and talk about sugar and, you know, cancer and all that stuff. I mean, she has the biggest, sweet tooth of anyone I've ever known. I mean, the woman has cookies frozen, like bags of them in her freezer. I mean, she lives on sugar, but here she is 92 and healthy for the most part. My grandmother, my
0: mom's mom lived when she was 99 years old and drank at least one or two glasses of Chardonnay every single night and had the worst diet on the planet. So right. yeah, exactly. She really was never actually sick. She yeah. just sort of died, yeah.
1: It's interesting how some people can get away with so much and others can't. And yeah, I I mean, she wasn't
0: that active and she wasn't that, you know, that sharp, but I don't know what her quality of life would have been had she done, you know, sort of had a different diet, but you know, who knows? Yeah, Yeah, She never wanted to be an athlete, so it was okay. (laughs) Right, right. Right. Um,
1: I do find that a very interesting, you know, you know, one of my favorite books is Radical Remission, Radical Hope. yes you've said that yes and i just like the whole emotional mental component of getting sick cancer or any kind of illness is so huge and thank god that's coming to the forefront yes right thank god we have all the meditation apps and you know talking about breath work and you know just trying to spiritually get back into a place where we start to really be kind to ourselves and love ourselves i mean we are so hard on ourselves. And I think that is like the biggest component here. Like, I think the best gift I could ever give my girls and they still are hard on themselves and perfectionists like me, but I'm constantly trying to say, you know, please don't go down that path because that didn't do great things for me and my health. You know, and like the last couple of years, I finally found that place. I would say at 58 and everything changed for me life completely, my health issues changed. My thyroid went back into, you know, alignment, my Hashimoto's numbers went down. I mean, my energy, everything, I feel like I kind of went into an anti-aging phase. Once I really started to find that kindness and love and for myself, you know, that's, that's huge.
0: Remembering what that doctor said to you, you know, that third doctor saying, are you happy? you know, what's your quality of life? Are you stressed? Are you, you know, do you have any self-love, self-care? I think that, you know, might've, tr- hope, hope that that voice might've triggered back in your head.
1: Totally. I ended up getting insomnia like right before 58 for, I could not get myself to sleep for like a year, maybe a little over a year. And it was probably, I feel like it was, it was the probably worse than the cancer. It was one of those things. And that's when I realized- Emotionally, there was stuff I needed to take care of, and that—that's a big thing for people. I have a lot of clients with insomnia and sleep issues, and there is a lot of, you know, that emotional well-being. They don't feel safe. They don't feel, you know, just taken care of by them, and they don't know that they can take care of themselves. Them, you know, they can love themselves, and that could be enough. And once they finally kind of get to that place, a lot of their health issues
0: go away and not looking for some external way to fix themselves, I think is a big deal. And when that stress really gets to your inside, absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, what I didn't, that was, you know, what I studied in college too, which is the psychological effects and how it, how psychologically you can affect, your mental health absolutely affects your physical health, of course. Um, And any doctor worth their salt nowadays, you know, will really get into that for sure. And it's, there's, there's no way to talk about one without the other, absolutely. And preventive no. care is is exactly that, right? It's it's looking at,
1: yeah,
0: holistically looking at the whole, the whole body. And in my opinion, women are much worse at that than men. We really don't take care of ourselves in the full picture. And when something no. is, you know, eating us up or it's tough, we look for kind of the quick fix, but not really get down to the heart of the issue. So I think that. Yeah, looking- we're not comfortable
1: with the uncomfortable either, right? right? You know, a lot of us, we wanna fix it. We, you know, especially if you're educated and you know, you're, you're used to getting things done and accomplished, right? And checking off all those boxes. And then when things get uncomfortable, um, it's hard to sit in that place and, and be like, oh, it's not feeling great. And you know, I'm gonna fix this. Okay? We are fixers, right? And then the most important thing is to sit with it and be uncomfortable. And that's where we learn all the good stuff.
0: Yeah. I mean, and even we've made it easy for ourselves. You know, there's a meditation app, you know, there's thousands of men, hundreds of them. We've made it easy for ourselves. You made it easy for ourselves to exercise and, and even to eat right. You know, you can follow it on, you know, on your phone, but still, you know, it's, it's really getting into it. So I think you're brilliant. (laughs)
1: Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. I was going to say, what's confusing these days is there's so much information out there. Yes. It's a little information overload, which is a little scary with all the different diet protocols and the supplements and, you know, the social media and you know, what to do and what not to do and what foods you can eat and what foods you can not eat. Like it's definitely overkill. That's the, that's the scary thing for me nowadays for people.
0: Well, I completely agree. And that's also, and so much misinformation and so many people who claim that they're experts when they have really no area of expertise. And one of the reasons why I wanted to go down this road and really create an educational platform for the foundation that I do, because I've been able, like we said at the beginning, you know, I've been so, so lucky and so blessed without being corny about it, that I've met these experts, true experts in their field and not just in the cancer world, you know, beyond the doctors, clinicians, researchers, genetic counselors, geneticists that I've met in that world, but the people externally working in preventive care like yourself that really are true experts that have had the, the, you know, the education and years of working in the field, that, you know, you know, your stuff. And so I think it's really important to disseminate true, honest information that, you know, doesn't come from someone who just sort of goes to Erewhon. And so they feel like they know what they're, you know, they, they know, they know what they're talking about. And I I think that there there's room for people who are learning for sure. And I think that's important. And I think everyone should try to learn, but I don't think that that makes you an expert. And I think that's, where it gets really confusing for people, for sure, and then can really lead to some, you know, problems because even supplements, herbs—I mean, that's that's medicine—and yeah. you can really create havoc and wreak havoc on your body if taken improperly. Right. Um, and you don't take it under, you know, the guise of someone who knows what they're doing and tells you how to, you know, work it right. into your body, or you're taking something else and there's, you know, a reaction. It's it's real. So, yeah, that's very true. Yeah. It's important. Um, well, thank you so much. I could, I mean, I could always. Go on, and on and on, but I'm going to cut us off because I'll blab with you. Also. So. I was like, okay, zip it, Alyssa. <laughs> <laughs> zip it, Amy. More like it. Thank you, Alyssa. Uh, thank you. I Amy. love talking oh, to you. To so be you continued, we'll do too. another one. Yes. Yeah, absolutely.